Monday, 9 o'clock, time for Occam's Razor, live tonight on East FM 88.1, 107.1. I'm Jim Birchall, Mark Capel, paranormal investigator and everyone's favourite Moyhow man hunter. Is that the right term for you, Moyhow man? Is it Moyhow or Moyho? Um, people say it differently. Moyhow. Moyhow. That's it, Moyhow man. But I always say, I, when I talk about the mountain, I say Moyhow uh, mountain. Yeah. Uh, so, and sometimes it's funny you got foreigners saying it. They really mess it up. But. Like like I just did, even though I'm not a foreigner. <laughs> How have you been anyway, Mark, during these COVID times? It's been like an apocalypse, really, isn't it? It's been it very unusual with the masks and the isolation, all, all the stress in people. And, I mean, I went and got tested, uh, you know, the other day and the stress of people in those lines yeah, like they're just not people. New Zealanders are normally courteous when they're in the line of traffic, and and I noticed I, they just, they wouldn't let me in. <laughs> I think it's just anxiety and panic, isn't it? When you're anxious yeah. to get something done, um, like if you're you know feeling sick and you got oh geez I got to get to the hospital or whatever, and the fight or flight response kind of takes over. The same thing happens if you're stuck in your car, sort of inching yeah. along the road, right? Oh, definitely. Um, you're like, yeah. you know, and and your body starts to react to the stress that you're placing upon it. And most of the time that stress is pretty much unfounded. But that's what happens with sort of mass hysteria events like this is, um, for those listening, we're in uh, broadcasting from Howick, New Zealand, as usual. Um, we've had a recent um, change to level three status just in the Auckland city, uh, greater area of Auckland city. Um, in the past few days and on the back of a number of community-based cases um, having exploded again. Um, the usual hysteria kind of applied again. People uh, panic buying, um, as Mark said, being rude in queues and things like that. Um, it seems to have simmered down a little bit. The uh, the I'm not hearing so many reports of sort of, um, you know, 50,000 people at, at the uh, warehouse or the supermarket or anything like that, but it's certainly testing time for everyone, isn't it? Yeah, you wonder what it was like back when the uh, Spanish influenza uh, around 1918, you want back then when they didn't have, you know, the modern medicine that we have today. Yeah, you are in a lot more trouble then, weren't you? Yeah, and, yeah. you know, how to deal with that. Absolutely. I mean, and that's the only in recent history in New Zealand anyway, that's dating back obviously just over 100, 100 years now. So um, so there really hasn't been anything of the scale in the modern era, or not since I've me and you have been alive. So, you know, everyone handles it different. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But so, some people, you know, really get taken to the edge of their existence, you know, and... Well, there's and a, kind of lash out and do stupid things. Well, there's a, I did visit a grave from a century ago when we're uh, over in Waikamiti Cemetery over in West Auckland. Yeah. Uh, there's a mass grave of some, I don't know, I think it's about 1,300, 1,400 people buried, um, uh, doctors and nurses included from Auckland Hospital. Very sad. I remember you, um, I saw a video of you on YouTube uh, doing a bit of a ghost investigation at Waikamiti. That's, what were you up to that day? That was a few years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, that was oh, probably about 2015. And you were the fellow from the from the ghost tours who um, does the haunted tours around Auckland. Oh, yeah, Tio Te- Katoya. Yeah, yeah, very knowledgeable. I, I don't know that he's still operating anymore. Okay. I tried to get him for an interview to, uh, on your show. Yeah. 
Oh, well, if you're listening, mate, uh, give us a call. I'm sure he can uh, fill us in with the paranormal comings and goings of Auckland City. Speaking of paranormal comings and goings, have you been down to your research area looking for New Zealand's own Bigfoot, the Moyhow Man? Well, yes. Uh, um, I, I, did you see that picture um, that that looks like a Bigfoot um, that, that was up on Haunted Man? Um on my Facebook group, I think you might the, the outline one. Yeah, correct? it looks like something with a conical head. Yeah, um, that was an interesting picture. Yeah, I actually went back there after that, and I tried to recreate that picture. I went there uh, back there with my SLR and a drone. You didn't go back with Bobo, did you? From uh, you know how they <laughs> oh. always use Bobo on the on the Finding Bigfoot to do the recreations. Yeah, no, I yeah. was just solo by myself. Yeah. Um, what do you do in terms of scale and stuff like that? Then, if you if you're going to recreate something, how can you recreate scale if you're by yourself? Well, it's, you just use trees and stuff. Well, or? yeah, try to do that. It's, it's yeah. not, I, I take a lot of photos too, yeah, and I I have to sort of estimate where I was because there's a lot of vegetation around there. Now that picture that I took and it's on the hauntedman.net website. You can actually go down a couple of posts and see it, so we see what we're talking about. But that that was the day that Devin went um, went out there with me. That's right. Devin's been on the show uh, about, probably about 10, 15 episodes back, wasn't he? Yeah. Probably a bit longer even, maybe 20. Yeah, that that was the day that um, I captured these voices mimicking me. We found the footprints. Um, Devin, he heard singing. Yep. Um, and whatever whatever that was up on that slope was right there when we were there, when I was there taking pictures. With using the working theory that there is some sort of bipedal ape in your research area in the in the Coromandel, um, is he a regular inhabitant or is he infrequent? Is he an alien? Is he interdimensional? I mean, we've, we've speculated on this before, but ha- has anything new been presented to you over the past little while well, or since we last spoke? Well, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. Um, yeah. There's a lot more mystery to it than meets the eye. They are very highly intelligent. Now, they must have some sort of hive mentality because imagine if they had one rebel that decided, hey, I'm just going to walk into New York City. Yeah. Not one of them walks into a heavily civilised town. Now, they're seen around, like, people's backyards. Um, There's a video, a Russian video, where uh, one's chasing these teenagers in a car. I don't know if you saw that. It goes down on all fours. And uh, they speak in Russian. I uh, can't really understand. Quite, uh, the only Russian one I remember was a um, group of about four boys. They're about 12 or 13 or 14 or something, and they, they see a Bigfoot sort of in the distance and it's really snowy, um, and they, they they get pretty scared and, and do a runner. Is that the one you're referring that, to? It's a, it's a different that's one. A different one. They're, okay. they're actually in a car and they're being chased by a Bigfoot. Okay, that's new to, that's new to me. I haven't seen that. Yeah, I, I recommend you check it out. There's a, a shot with a cell phone camera, of course. Yeah. But it's very interesting because a very big um, Bigfoot-like being, kind of like a patty, you know, from... Um, the uh, Patterson Gibbons. Yeah, from, but yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. Kind of like that. And it actually goes down on all fours and it's actually stirring up the dust. Now, there must be some weight to it to stir up dust in the air. And can you imagine someone in a suit running in a heavy, bulky suit? Let's just say that they were, they, they tried to fake it. Can you imagine, you know, someone going in a suit on all fours and, and running fast? It would certainly be difficult. Yeah. Unless you are one of those uh, pony kids that dress sort of up as a horse and jump over uh, um, steeplechases and stuff. Have you seen the sport? 
Uh, oh, you're jumping over. Um, <laughs> but it's like yeah. it's like human equestrian. Oh, okay. You seen that? But no, either way, no. it's pretty. It's, it's pretty difficult. Um, and particularly if you're a seven foot man wearing a suit, well, this it would is, be even harder. And this is going through foliage on the side of the road as well. Yeah, I'll and, have to say, where did you find this? Um, just on YouTube. On YouTube, or? just type in um, Russian Bigfoot. Russian Bigfoot. Okay, um, it'll narrow it down. It, I may be wrong. It's it's one of those Baltic states. It may not be, but they're speaking Russian. Yeah, is it sort of uh, more towards the Ural Mountains, or is it sort of a Siberia situation? Or yeah, uh, I can't remember the actual location. No, uh, but it's actually. Uh, actually in a wide landscape. It's funny because a lot of times they do not come out in the open unless it's a very wild area and it appears to be chasing them. And they're, they're panicking, they're freaking out. And is it snowing at the time? Um, no. Okay. So there's no prints or anything like that? that no, they, 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 were, they were terrified. They were yeah. like, um, <laughs> it would look like something of a horror movie, really. That bad, eh? I mean, um, I can't comment because I just haven't seen it. So yeah, I um, recommend anyone something to do when I'm not talking on the radio here. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. think? Um, you uh, you've been down recently during during locked or outside of lockdown and stuff like that to the research area. Um, my area I go to is outside of Auckland. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, s- so at the moment you can't, but obviously in the uh, I, I could technically do it. Yeah, it's. Well, I don't. I'm kind of the area is kind of hidden for you know good reason. Yeah. Um, there's only one person that actually knows ex- exactly where it is. Uh, of course, Devin. Yeah. And I actually had Devin sign a uh, non non disclosure agreement NDA. on the location. Yeah. Yep. Because I'm really trying to keep the research area pure. Because if people find out, they'll you know some there are pranksters that will. Plus, it's actually a very dangerous area to go into. It's not. I wouldn't take any I'm, anyone in there that's not good at climbing. So the photo you got recently, have you done any sort of analysis on it in terms of what else it could be? Well, because our old friend Paradolia is going to come. Oh yeah, it a bit, yeah, isn't yeah, sure, it? sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what people would say. Well, there are there are fern trees that that have very dark trunks. Yep. But this seems to have looks like a head. I say it looks like a head, a conical head. Because um, it almost looks like it's kind of manifesting in a shape. It doesn't look. Does it look full body to you, or does it kind of look like it's it looks materializing? Like a, it looks like it's full body to me, yeah. like all the way down to the feet. Mm. I mean, there's foliage that is partly covering it as well. Yeah, I mean, maybe my eyes are playing tricks on me a little bit in terms of uh, it's the depth perception as well. Yeah. If, I, yeah. if you could pull away from it and right. then, then have a look at the original, well, yeah, what, what it'd I'll be do a lot is easier to see. I'll put it in my documentary. I'll have the full shot and zoom in. Yeah. But it's funny that all that weird stuff was happening um, when, when Devin was there as well. Yeah. Um, also, uh, so because you, you spoke in the past, you think Devin is kind of the um, he's the vehicle, isn't he? He's kind of the medium for them, is that right? Um, he's in tune. He's in tune with the creatures. Oh, I think he's. I think he's very respectful. And when you are respectful, I think you're more likely to have a positive experience. Yeah. I mean, they do react badly. Is it res- being respectful or is it being open minded though? Well, I think it's a combination of both. Yeah. Um, that they know that we that they can easily scare us. Yeah. And and I think um, that they um, they don't want to do that. Um, there was a case of like a, a boy getting rescued by a bear over in America. He a boy, a little boy. Um, I don't know if you heard that story of how he said a bear rescued him. He got lost in the wilderness. A little a little kid. Oh, so you're alluding that the the, the bear was a bigfoot? Is that what you mean? P- 
Possibly. I mean, bears bears would tear tear a human apart. Oh, absolutely, particularly a small human. Yeah. 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 No. You're right. You're right. But I suppose with a kid, there's always that um, you know overactive imagination comes into it as well. If you're going to be a naysayer, what did he actually say the bear did though? Look, you know. How did it look after I, him, so to speak? Yeah, I, I think it kept them warm. Apparently it was very cold. Okay. Yeah, so it may have been like... The bear could have just been keeping him warm, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for a warm dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, saving for later. Yeah. But it's quite interesting because, uh, you know, from what I've, I understand, bears, um, you don't want to chance it with them. No, I mean, they look cute, but that's, that's sort of where it stops. Yeah, one of the poo is where it ends. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, what's happening on the paranormal scene in New Zealand at the moment? What What's hot? You know, is any big UFO sightings? Any sort of strange wing creatures from prehistoric times? Or well, there's the occasional UFO sighting that goes on. I mean, I ran into a man who lives over by the west in West Auckland, right by uh, in a business situation. I won't really give too much details, but he told me, um, he saw me flying my drone. I was taking aerial shots for my doco. And he said that he saw this, this bright orange orb fly over um, his, his location. Um, and I, I've heard reports of, of strange lights also in the news. As Do you well. know approximately when that was? Because I'm just trying to tie it into an incident that happened down on the Waipuna Bridge not far from here. Yeah, I didn't get that far with him. He was just... Uh, See talking. if we can marry up the dates because I actually wrote a news article. I've probably um, blabbed this already on a previous episode, but... Um, a, but what was described as a fireball um, crashed into the Tamaki Estuary, which isn't far from here. And I got a – well, the, there was six witnesses, which has made it interesting. Um, no one, unfortunately, got uh, it on camera. Um, I even checked with the Auckland Transport guys because they have a camera um, on the construction of the new um, Waipuna Busway Bridge. That's uh, – oh, sorry um, – uh, Pamua Busway Bridge that's under construction at the moment. Unfortunately, they turn that camera off at 6 p.m. every night and the incident was around 6.45 in the evening. That's um, No one got anything um, but six, there were six eyewitnesses and I got hold of a guy at down at the observatory and he told me a meteorite that was glowing that much by the time it had reached terminal velocity and about to crash into the water would be pretty big. Uh, for it to still be sort of glowing like that. Um, and he said it would be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I've, I've told a few people and a couple of people have written into the paper and said, i got some scuba, de- scuba gear. I wouldn't, wouldn't mind getting in there. Oh, yeah, it'd be worth, worth finding if you could find it. Absolutely. And the strangest part was there was uh, about six weeks later, another report came in from um, a woman and I took, um, you know, I said, okay, it's isolated, you know, it's an independent uh, witness. But then a second person came forward unrelated to this person Um so that, you know, obviously gave it some credence. So who knows? I, Celestial belides are crashing all around us in well, East Auckland. Well, did you see that uh, the footage I got from my drone of that, that anomaly travelling at about 1,400 kilometres an hour? I just I over did. Mark 1. Yeah. And that was like I was just doing aerial shots. And uh, there's, there's a lot of these high-speed drone-sized sort of UFOs around at the moment, isn't there? And when I say drone size, I don't mean... You know, the size of our drones, um, you know, I'm not talking about the case of mistaken identity, but I actually posted a video a fellow in England sent me about two or three years back. It's on the um, 
Occam's Razor uh, YouTube channel if you want to have a look. I think it's just Occam's Razor Paranormal. Um, and it, it happens about seven seconds in and this ultra, I mean, I haven't measured the speed because I don't know how you do that. Um, someone someone more learned than me can perhaps run it through some sort of system that calculates the speed. And this thing is traveling and it, it can't be an aircraft because it's just too quick. It can't be a shooting star because uh, it's, you know, one constant light and it doesn't leave a streak or anything like that, right? And it's during a thunderstorm, which makes it even more spooky, um, just between lightning strikes, effectively. Um, and it's it's an awesome film because um, the guy and his mate, there's a couple of English lads that are talking and the guy says, right, I'm going to do it. And he's filming it because there's thunder and lightning all around. He wants to catch, you know, fork lightning because it's right over their house. And then this thing just comes flying out of nowhere. And it, it reminded me of of the video that, that you took, um, just the sheer speed. And I've noticed the modern trend with UFO videos, the ones – do you watch the show Contact at all? I've um, heard of it. I haven't seen it's, it. It's actually a really good show. Um, the guys are – as usual, you know, ex Titans, Special Forces or CIA or something like that. Um, if that's their real background, I don't know. But they do do some pretty thorough investigations. But the um, sort of UFO uh, du jour um, at the moment seems to be these high-speed kind of drone ones. Um, I think there's some sort of probe, you know, some sort of, well, drone for lack of a bit of time. I, I, I have spoken to a former U.S. Air Force uh, pilot, Um and he told me about an encounter along with other pilots in Vietnam in, what was it, like 1967. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were flying a mission of um, A6 planes and they had... Was that the one in Da Nang, somewhere in there? I, I, I don't know what the... I don't remember what the yeah, location I was. I think I know what you're talking about, but keep going. Um, but there were these sources that came in between them. Yeah. And the man, this Air Force man, I, he knows a lot about this subject and um he's always talking telling me about different species of aliens and um so i i was hoping maybe i'd get an interview with them you know well if you do ask them about the high speed ones because they you know they're in vogue at the moment they seem to videos and seem to be popping up all over the shop well they move so the show contact as a, sorry as alluded to before the show yeah. contact has a really good high speed ufo that they video that they can't no one knows what it is, effectively. Um, what you need is a really high-speed camera when you get ones like that. Yeah, And of if you don't look carefully, you can actually miss them. I remember there was a, a something anomaly that moved very fast. A film crew in New Zealand caught it. I don't know if they were filming an ad, but something went over the road that was incredibly fast, kind of like the anomaly that I got um, over in Huia, uh, just west of Auckland. But uh, people do catch stuff. Yeah, and it's just a big well, question. Well, a lot of the time they're not looking for it. That's part right. of it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that happens a lot with spirit photography and stuff like that. Um, did you listen to the last episode? We sort of critiqued um, famous spirit videos and um, you know ghosts caught on camera and all oh, this sort I of stuff. I didn't hear it. Yeah, I mean, the ones that we sort of came to a conclusion were probably a bit dodgier than the others in terms of authenticity. Um, tended to be ones that were were kind of staged and stuff like that, or you would you yeah. would stage them if you know what I mean. You know, it's people taking a photo of a um, 
you know, a church, um, you know, church pews or something like that, and there's a mysterious, you know, figure appears in them and things like that. Whereas the ones that appear more genuine, you know, just look like. Uh, have you seen the one with the um, in the UK and there's the three or two kids getting a photo taken by their mother and there's a there's a weird witch kind of woman in the background. Oh, is that the lady with the red hair that has got no legs? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's really. Is interesting. that film? I think it was film, wasn't it? Shot on Ma- film. I'm not sure. Maybe the photo was. Uh, maybe I saw a still from a film or something um, but it's it's pretty hard to dis- um, you know sort of um, describe what's going on with some of these man I just look yep. at them and go yeah yeah I know we're living in a world of fakery and stuff and you, but you can tell people you know act differently when they're faking things you know and they'll speak differently about it and they tend to be um, you know pretty keen for the press to come and interview them and they're not shy of publicity and that sort of stuff so that instantly makes me a little bit cynical um, in terms of you know whether their stories are, are legit or not, but you know we came to the conclusion that the the most famous kind of ones, your, your um, you know brown ladies and your um, tulip staircase at at uh, Maritime Museum and this sort of stuff, they just seem too good. Some of them, they do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah, I've I've seen full bodied apparitions and I've seen them with other people as well. But yeah, those well are that's kind of re- the well that's the litmus test, isn't it? If someone else sees it with you, and then you know you're not hallucinating. Yeah, yeah. If someone else sees it, because I like to see that explained away. Because there is some sort of condition. I've heard psychologists talk about it, um, where you know husbands and wives and and family members and stuff quite often will take on the traits of um, the person they you know spend a lot of time with. Um, and but does that make them open to more susceptible to the power of suggestion? Um, you know, if me and you were related, say, and you went, Oh, I see a ghost, am I more likely to agree that I've seen it as well? No, it could be because you have confirmation bias. I mean, it could be, but I suppose when you get six people seeing it, like we did with the uh <laughs> meteorite down the road, yeah, well, what I'm calling a meteorite, it's it's hard to have a, I mean, even as a paranormal investigator, to, to get a Get an apparition on camera is not easy. Have you ever had a situation? Because I know you interview people, um, you know, for your hauntedman.net and, and the docker, you're doing things like that. Do you have any situation, or have you ever been in a situation where you think the people you're interviewing are BSing you effectively? Um, sometimes, well, I go in there with an open mind, but if they're saying things that don't make sense, um, I will kind of flag it in my mind. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes, like, and sometimes at the end of the day, unless you can prove that it's a fake or, I mean, I mean, how do you, you know, I mean, unless there's some way you can prove that. I don't mean so much uh, mean footage. I mean, but if someone's telling you a story about a UFO that landed on their lawn or something. Well, you'd look for inconsistencies in their story. Mm, but you have you ever had that, though? Um, I like have. Someone's pulling your leg. Well, normally the people I've talked to have normally just been like off the moment. I haven't like talked to them over and over again, kind of thing. Yeah, uh, not like a Bob Lazar situation where you can check his story like you know ten years later and see if. I mean, obviously people can forget stuff as well. Yeah, um, with memory issues, but uh, thing is though, if you saw a UFO or a Bigfoot, you're not likely to. Forget it as quickly as something else. Well, some people are very traumatised by the experience. That's true as well, yeah. And when we talked about, you know, the stress of COVID and and, um, the the fight or flight, uh, it happens, uh, like, for example, with Bigfoot. You know, we even have uh, even modern sightings of Bigfoot in New Zealand uh, that are not reported in the news. I, I get people, because I run a blog, 
and uh, have a YouTube channel. I get people that, that get in touch with me. Um, just recently, I just had a, a, a man from the Department of Conservation um, uh, two years ago was out in the Waipua Forest with another co-worker, and they were doing um, some maintenance at the end of this track. And um, he had this feeling of being watched. And uh, he looks up, and his, his mate is, I think he's like banging, bang, banging some nails, and, and he sees these two, like two six-foot tall, brown, with, with long hair, uh, humanoid, I mean, Bigfoot-like like yeah, beings. Yeah. And uh, he only... It, one of them was looking straight at him, and they were hurrying away out of the scene. It's like he said to me, "It was like they were coming over to check us out, what we're doing, because we had all this equipment." And it's funny because as I'm getting accounts, I can triangulate where people's sightings are. Yeah, and like I've, I, that's not the only place, um, the only time that I've had someone report something happened in the Waipua Forest. I mean, I had a lady. Whereabouts is that forest exactly? Uh, it's up uh, north north of Dargaville, uh, which is probably about two or so hours north of Auckland. Uh, Waipua Forest is very old. Yep. And heaps of mysterious stuff happens. I was actually listening to an old episode me and you did uh, about a year ago, by the sound of it, um, and we were actually talking about the Kuiper Harbour in terms of UFO activity and stuff. There's always been strange stories from up there, isn't there? Oh, yeah, I've read some. Um, Susie Hansen uh, runs a site uh, called UFO Focus or UFOfocus.org, I think it is. That's but right. she's got some very good accounts of from pilots, um, from all kinds of people, um, some very, very reliable witnesses. I actually sent her a some footage of some Chinese lanterns years ago before we worked out what they were. This is going back probably 15 years or so, and they were kind of new to New Zealand. No one had really used them before. And then one Christmas someone threw them up or, you know, I think it was a New Year's or a day around New Year's Eve sometime, and we were at the beach having a good time, and everyone was like, what the hell are these? And I filmed them on my Nokia, you know, 5420 or whatever they're called, and fired it off to her. Um, but it was a bit shaky, and we'd had a few drinks, so she probably thought that we were just taking the piss. Um, in the end, someone said that they had released them. We sort of got to the bottom of the mystery, and it was some Chinese lanterns. But uh, cool to look at, and that was my first contact with you, uh, Focus, and they did a professional job. So if I get any footage like that in the future. Yeah, they have some off. pretty startling accounts, like mm. uh, where there's like, um, uh, I think it was like four or five hunters that were followed by a craft, and then they found this creature on the ground. They were terrified. Then there was a corresponding sighting of the same UFO on that same night. Um, I, I can't remember offhand what, what, what the encounter was. But it was interesting because some of the UFO sightings, you get um, other people, other witnesses that can collaborate seeing the same craft at the same time. It's mm -hmm. really great when you get those. I remember hearing a story um, down in Kafia. Do you remember we talking about the story about the fellow who, who came across an alien as he was sort of decided to sleep on the beach after a few too many beers? Um, now, Kafia is down sort of uh, in the Waikato. Sort of, we're talking about Raglan, but a bit further than that, I think. That's where we're looking. Um, and he basically said he, he uh, lit a fire and he saw this thing peeking over the hill and he went over to confront whoever it was and it was an alien. And that's really where the story ended. But um, he just, and he described the classic grey sort of thing. So 
Who knows? Yeah, I did get an account of a farmer down in Taranaki of some sort of humanoid um, right by the by the fence with bright red eyes uh, staring at him, and he was terrified. Um, so at night time. Um, you know, I don't remember what time. It's been a little while since I read the account. Okay. But this this thing had ripped the bolt, the, the lock off the off the gate and let the cattle out. Um, and he also sent me some pictures of some footprints and that, but he was he was pretty terrified. What kind of entity were we dealing with? What kind of what did the footprints look like? Um I I don't know what it what it was. Um very weird. It's a bit like Moth Mothman. Mothman <laughs> yeah. with the glowing eyes. Uh, yeah. if you've seen the like the, the movie The Mothman Prophecies and yeah. the reports of them having like these red eyes like brake lights almost. Point pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. There was actually a oh, I was researching the Mothman that when I see researching, I was flicking my way through Wikipedia the other day. Uh, and I think I was looking at cryptids and, and obviously that came up and I looked into it. And someone uh in two thousand and twelve um took an updated photo of the Mothman. Uh that was the last recorded sighting um of I mean disappeared in whenever the seventies or sixties or whenever it was. Um Never to be seen again, but a few people have kept the legend going and I saw a photo of it, but it, it reminded me a little bit of that. Do you remember that fake photos that came out a few years ago um, of kind of like a hellboy kind of creature jumping sort of between trees? It was kind of devilish, sort of half kangaroo kind of. Sounds like something from Skinwalker Ranch. They had something like that. Is that right? Yeah, jumping yeah. across roofs. Yeah, well, I mean, I was yeah, told that yeah. the photos are more than likely fake, but I don't yeah. really know. But it's interesting you bring up Skinwalker Ranch because uh, we did an episode on it a while back now, but I was interested to get your opinion on the with the current openness, you know, and there's all these TV shows filming Skywalker Ranch, uh, Skywalker Ranch, I keep saying Skywalker Ranch, <laughs> Skinwalker Ranch looking for, um, you know, abnormalities and Bigfoots and whatever else is there. Um, has there been any good footage come out of this today that you're aware of? Legit footage is what I mean. Well, they'll be holding back a lot for the TV show, I suspect. Yeah, I'm from what I've seen everything's kind of far away. Yeah, um, I did capture something come right up to my face and did a 90 degree turn that was glowing at night. Oh, was that the orb you were talking? Yeah, about? yeah. I was wearing a contour point of view. Uh, was it full spectrum or infrared camera? Um, and I saw them the moving very fast against gusty wind. So I, it's, there's not a lot of, I mean, there's some interesting like circles and in, in, in the ice, like perfect circles, like something circular landed on the creek or the frozen creek, creating a perfect circle. Uh, there's things like that. Um, obviously, the, the cattle uh, mutilations. Uh, also, that's kind of a bit weird. Um, some of the stories that come out of there are, are pretty interesting. Um, and you wonder if people uh, might be talking. I, I know there was a, the guard, uh, former guard, that talked about mm. what it was like there. Um, and some of these people, they go in skeptics and they leave believers uh, after they've had an encounter. So from in terms of anything conclusive from the show, I understand nothing Huge has come out to date. When you say they've caught a few things, are you talking about just orbs and UFOs and flashing Yeah, just, stra- just strange and almost. I mean, from yeah. the episodes I've seen, I mean, it's yeah. been, been a little while since I've, um, you know, watched. Because mm. uh, it's a fascinating yeah. place, not from the fact that, um, you know, it's taken on that 
sort of a cult-like thing now, hasn't it? Um, a bit like Storm Area 51, you know, there's a lot of people just want to know what's going on in there. Um, and as, as we saw with that, they didn't come to anything either. So what will happen if nothing comes of these TV shows? They turn into Finding Bigfoot kind of shows where they walk around making silly noises in the dark and and – Never find it. Well, that's the hard thing. I mean, they're a business. This mm. is really what they are. Because that guy bought the ranch, didn't he? And yeah, Brandon Frugal. Brandon Frugal. Yeah, he's, Interesting name for yeah. someone who's, who's splashed out all that money. Oh, exactly. <laughs> he's very well off. Um, yeah. And apparently he paid a lot more than what Bigelow got it for too. Yeah. He paid a lot. Yeah. And uh, he's actually, he's Mormon. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if he, he lived locally, but very su- highly successful businessman. Um, I do like the openness aspect, but of course, with shows, you just never know for sure, mm. unless you know someone who's on the show and talk to them directly, you don't know how much of it gets faked or fudged. And also with opening it up to TV and, you know, the constant examination from people like us, um you know, your asset can maybe be devalued if people don't see anything at all, if you know what I mean. Um, I suppose the mystique still surrounds it. I mean, people to this day will still look at webcams that are sort of perched across Loch Ness and places like that, you know, in the hopes of great, you know, getting a glimpse of the monster or whatever. Um, I think there's a bit of that sort of voyeurism comes in with Skinwalker Ranch as well. Um, and then people start to interpret interpret it, um, you know, wrongly or things they see, you know, wrongly. He's got some. He's got some nice new cameras, security cameras up there. Mm. Uh, they, they did actually. I remember one shot. They caught something that looked like towers, like almost like towers, like weird, like buildings or something. And one of the the cameras shot uh, caught. Um, what do you mean, like descending to the earth? Or? It was like these buildings was was were coming up off the ground, almost like it was something that appeared and then left. Um, also, I came across some footage when I was in there, uh, over there in 2013. I don't know if you remember hearing about the strange lights that shot up from the ranch. I actually have some of those on my um, on my Spectre cam, which is actually a, a camera designed for ghost hunting. I actually I found some, and I think I'll probably put that in my new documentary, but I actually caught some of these, these laser-like lights shooting right up into the sky um, from the ranch itself, and I've heard that they've seen those as well recently. So it's nice that, I, hey, I caught them too. Mm. I just wish we had a uh, hotbed of paranormal activity in New Zealand somewhere. I'm sure there is one oh, oh, because, I mean, yeah. the hypothesis is is that portals and, and dimensional sort of stuff and creatures coming through them is generated by the surround. So, you know, you, we're talking in the realm of ley lines and or quartz fields or something like that, something that's producing these or allowing these these things to, you know, manifest. Um, New Zealand's got to have somewhere like that, don't we? Well. We're going to have a Mount Shasta somewhere. Well, there are there is stuff that goes on. Um, mm. I, I, you know, I went to this certain UFO group. I don't know if I should, you know, be too say too much because they didn't give me permission. But um, they they told me I had a veterinarian come up to me and tell me, and he, he was he was busting to talk to me and tell me about what happened to him. But apparently he um, was out in uh, camping in one of the huts out in the middle of the night and heard something bipedal right next to the hut where he was. Well, this is out in the middle of nowhere. He said. Um, I, I get uh, accounts from people. That's kind of like a, a, a big grey man of Ben McDewey sort of a situation, isn't it? 
Yeah, and people get, well, people get a little, you know, well, you'd be apprehensive to go outside in, in the darkness to what the heck is that? I mean, this happens. Stuff, we do have stuff that happen. The problem is people don't talk about it generally, mm. particularly here in New Zealand because because uh, there's a bit of a code of science. People don't want to be made fun of. Well, they don't. Um, the woman who made the second report um, to me about the second fireball, um, she didn't want to go in the paper, and I was like, you know, it's just a, it's just a local paper, and no one's really going to care. It's twenty twenty, and they're going to be pointed at and laughed in the street. You know, it's not Victorian times. Um, but she was adamant, said, "No, I don't want my name anywhere near it." So you're right that that fear still exists for some people. I mean, I couldn't care less what people think. I, you know, yeah, I'm, I I'm, I'm the same too. I think yeah. what some people believe in is ridiculous, but that's an accepted norm. So, you know, each to their own. Well, it makes you feel good, though, when you start to capture it on camera or yeah. on your audio because then it's say, hey, I'm not experiencing psychosis or yeah. some sort of mental illness. Mm. Um, I heard an interesting point the other day that we're the paranormal ones and the other dimension that we live parallel with, they're the normal ones, so we're the oddballs. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I'm, I'm doing instrumental transcommunication research or ITC is the acronym. Yeah. They told me that the paranormal is normal. Stop mm. what you say. Yeah. To them, it is normal. Yeah. You know, do we appear part, partly ghost-like to them? Mm. Um, you know, there's sometimes uh, cases where you, uh, where people get EVPs and they can tell the ghost is there and they can hear the people there. But like, it's like we're ghosts to them in mm. some cases. See, that sounds really dimensional, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, because there's been reports over the years. Um, I was talking to John Freeman who wrote a book on poltergeist and he was telling me a story about a talking mongoose. Uh, you've probably heard that. I've heard of it. I don't yeah, know anything yeah. about it. And that sort of thing. And there's there's probably some, I don't know. I don't even know how that would eventuate. You know, are they, why would they use a mongoose to communicate with somebody? I don't know. I mean, the mongoose well, spoke perfect English, from what I understand. Well, look at the Mothman. I mean, it was like this moth-like humanoid kind of thing. Really, but what I'm getting at is, yeah. it, is it just an interdimensional thing, and we're just dealing with um, someone through the wormhole? Are they, is it just a different version of ourselves, and in, in, is time and space ripped, and they're just sort of a replicant of us, and we're just all doing the same things, or is it things are predetermined? Oh, that's a good question. We were talking about that earlier, and mm. like about a week before you called me, I started hearing that Phil Collins show, yep. uh, song. a song that I heard on your show, yep. and I thought, what? Why that's is this? strange because I hate Phil Collins. But it was going um, just before <laughs> oh, the- was it playing before? It was playing okay. um, on the list here, and I heard it just before the show, one of the, the latest shows that I was on. Yep. So maybe it was like a flag. I had a dream about a spider um, before I woke up, and as I woke up, there was a black spider right above me on the wall. And of course, I hate spiders, but yeah. that's one animal I don't have a problem with spiders. I hate snakes the most, but well, um, I'll let you handle the snakes. I mean, other spiders. I have no snake. problem. I would let a tarantula walk across my chest with no problem at all. Well, I've been bitten by spiders too, and some yeah. poisonous ones like over in America. <laughs> Maybe a tarantula with no fangs. How's that sound? Um, do you get a chance to do much uh, ghost hunting, or are you mostly tied up with the? Uh, more how man. I've been more angled towards uh, the Bigfoot stuff because yep. 
there's a lot of weird ghost-like stuff that's going on there too. And there's a lot of people investigating it too, so right. yeah, it's, it's a bit more cluttered than what you do, right? Well, or what, the, than what you concentrate on. Well, the thing I do like about the Bigfoot stuff is I'm getting like I've had these things that I couldn't see that walked up to me, and uh, I'm getting footprints. I'm getting I'm getting you know uh, actual evidence, physical evidence that something was there. Yeah, and that's a lot harder with ghosts. Yeah. Of course, they they can scratch you, they can punch you. Ghosts, I'm talking about ghosts. Yeah, uh, I've had some pretty horrible things happen to me. Uh, I mean, I I did work with a medium when I was in Vegas, but uh, when you do that, you, I tell you what, you, the stuff can really come after you. Why don't Bigfoots attack humans? There are reports of of people getting taken. Um, like a woman. I, I've heard that. Um, didn't a child get kidnapped by one sort of, I mean, we were talking earlier about the bear that looked after the four-year-old, um, but wasn't there a story a few, oh, not a few years, like in the 70s or something about someone getting kidnapped and sort of meeting a whole family of Bigfoots? Yeah, there's been some stories. There's some old stories. Uh, one was like, I believe, was a minor, and they actually mm. Carried them. That's right. Yeah. Carried them to their, was their that base. The, was that the one I'm thinking of? And I, I think it might be. It's an older story. Mm. But there's more modern ones. There's a man, um, I'm trying to remember his name now. He has sniper training, but he has some pretty amazing photos of Bigfoots. He actually goes to very wild areas. Uh, he he talked about being picked up by one. It actually put him on and just carried him like a rag doll. And he's a big fella. Mm-hmm. Um uh, there's reports of uh, there was a lady that got taken. Um, the tribe lead apparently, uh, from what I remember, came after the, the the single Bigfoot. I guess he wanted a woman, and he just took. There was there was a couple that was hiking, and and, and he just pushed the man aside and and picked up the woman and just started walking off. But these other Bigfoots, his, his tribe, actually reprimanded him, uh, basically made him drop her. But then there's really terrifying encounters from some of the Indians, uh, what they call a city car or stone giants up in Lovelock, Nevada. Um, they were apparently cannibals and actually ate some of the, the Indian people, they went to war against them and they actually cornered them into this cave in Lovelock. Cave it's called. You can look it up. It's quite interesting. Did and, you say our, where whereabouts is it? Uh, it's Lovelock, Nevada, Nevada in okay. the United States. Yep. Uh, there are accounts. Um, I've heard from some, some of the Aborigines um, that say be very careful. That uh, they, um, I've had um, some accounts um, explain to me that, that some of their people have been taken. Uh, I've got people that are very interested in what I'm doing. Um, do, do you get, sorry to interrupt, do you get yeah. um, Bigfoot abductees in the same way you do with aliens? Um, how do you mean? People that say they've been abducted by aliens, do people say they've been abducted by Bigfoot and put through any sort of procedures or is it a lot more primitive than that? It seems to me more primitive. However, there are accounts of them getting off craft, people mm. seeing them get off craft. I mean, that'd be See, seen over at Skinwalker too. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Um, aliens don't have to all be short green guys, do they? No, apparently there's many, many kinds of them. There's a Russian book that shows a, a bunch of... Oh, you were of, talking about the guy earlier, weren't you? He was talking about the species of extraterrestrial. Oh, yeah, there's the Air Force uh, former pilot. But mm. he was involved in a very high role in, in the military. Uh, I, I suspect that he knows a lot more than just that encounter. Yeah, because I think after an encounter like that, you're going to want an intelligent person 
if they're not terrified, they're, they're going to want answers. Well, this uh, I've heard. Um, now, I think the thread of this story came through when I was reading about uh, Paul Hallier, the Canadian ex-defence minister oh, yes. who's very vocal on UFOs. Um, I don't know much about Paul Hallier and whether he's credible, but he's Canadian, so I'll, um, I'll give him a pass. You know, he's uh, probably not as prone to hyperbole as, as someone in the US that's doing the same thing. Um, yeah, sorry, where was I going? <laughs> I completely lost my train of thought. Um, oh, sort of like disclosure. So, so yeah, the disclosure. Well, he was talking about yeah. four different uh, races of aliens, effectively, that visit the Earth. Um, and three of them sort of uh, on diplomatic kind of missions. Um, that sounded very Star wars didn't it? We're on a diplomatic mission. Um, and they have regular communication with um you know, the powers that be, whatever secret organisation deals with them. Um, and there's one that's sort of more malevolent that they think sort of is a bit of a stirrer, um, might have some hostile intentions. Maybe like the reptoids? Perhaps. They're kind of the North Korea of, um, of aliens that, that are visiting us, so to speak. And so, and we don't want any trouble from them effectively. So, you know, you know. Let's keep it at arm's length, but it's certainly interesting to hear about. There's one of them is the uh, Norwegian kind of Scandinavian-looking ones as well, um, who are the most, you know, capable of blending into society, obviously, than, yeah, than um, the others. Yeah, there was a book written, um, Charles Hall. Um, uh, I got to go to one of his lectures in the United States. He was an, uh, an Air Force serviceman, a weatherman, who wrote books about aliens in uh uh, was it the not the analysis base? One of the Air Force bases on the range. Uh, they had they had a base on by near Area Fifty One. Well, that's the Nellis bombing range, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Groom Lake and yeah, yeah. Um, he very intelligent man. Um, I did try to um, sort of talk to him. He didn't want to really. I I had a, I took a camera in because I was filming him. Yeah, and they they wanted to say, put that camera away. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, interesting, um, very knowledgeable. Um, How often? Um, these guys would get approached by UFO hunters all the time, though, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah. Well, so they'd be a bit surly. Yeah, they'd be inundated. They're an old mm. couple, too, so you've got to figure out all their, their uh, energy levels probably not that high. That's true. Uh, but and uh, if he's telling a story that no one believes in for his whole life, um, he's probably sick of telling it. Generally. Yeah, it was called uh, Millennial Hospitality, I believe. Um, I actually wrote wrote a little article on my blog about that mm-hmm. when I went to the lecture. Um, but what does that What does that mean, Millennial Hospitality? Um, was well, just a, he kind of wrote a book. He wrote it in a way that he wouldn't get in trouble with the the, um, the military at the time. Yeah, uh, he kind of made it almost like a like a fable. A fable story that was, but he actually put into the story about stuff that was going on at the space. Yeah. The tall white aliens—that's who they are. The tall white aliens. So it's an allegory to to something else. He was, yeah, yeah, um, saying something but not saying something. Right, and I did and using have, symbols as replacements. Well, it, well, in early 2013, I had an encounter in the desert, the Southern Nevada desert, with a uh, oblong silver-like craft. Um, I had this feeling to pull over. So I, and then I had these two weird people, tall, thin people that didn't look like Americans that approached my car. Scandinavians. Could have been. I don't know. Mm. I didn't see their faces. They had head coverings with the long, um, almost identically dressed, which is really bizarre. So I I don't know. There's There could be something to it. Huh. 
But I, I was, um, I actually tried, I couldn't get my camera out fast enough. Why is Nevada such a hotbed? Obviously, um, Area 51 is there, so that, that helps. And Roswell and all that's not too far away, is it? Um, what's sort of in the central, um, between sort of LA and, the, and it's right in the middle there, isn't it? Yeah, um, George Knapp said all roads lead lead to Vegas in ufology. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, there was uh, also just over the line. There was a, a UFO needles crash. Uh, yeah, I used to live by there out in the desert, and all the military zoomed in there to get this whatever this thing was that crashed. Uh, right, I think it was in the river there. Where did you live? Oh, I lived in Needles, uh, okay. a, a little little hick desert town. Um, very hot, like yep. 50 degrees in summertime. Yeah. Celsius, that is. Needles. Yeah. Still be good. Were you inundated with people um, driving the extraterrestrial trail and things like that? Oh, the Highway 375, known as the, the extraterrestrial um, highway, is kind of an interesting place to go. I so mean, does that go all the way to California or how does it go? Um, does it go to and from? It's, it's in um, central Nevada. Yeah. Um, it doesn't I think it goes close to California? But it must connect back with the um, whatever that road, the highway there is, right? Yeah, the other, I'm trying to remember the highway name. It's just been a while since I've been yeah. over five years since I've lived over there. But, but do you think the attraction to Nevada in particular is because of Roswell and Area 51 and, and all that desert region where people see? More than likely, experimental aircraft a lot as well. I think it has a lot to do with the military. The, yeah. There's a lot of bases there. Yeah. I mean, I spoke to a man that, that worked at one of the bases. I, I while I was there, I talked to different people. One that even went worked at Area 51. Yeah. Basically, he went there as um, um, a serviceman, and he said he an armed guard followed him and even into the toilet area. They yeah. watched your every move on on the base. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this and I've talked to some pilots, Air Force pilots who've seen craft as well. When I lived over there, I went to uh, uh, Las Vegas UFO hunters. So I've met some very interesting people. Um, some of the people seem very credible too. I mean, engineers and because there's that theory that UFOs are attracted to, well, not attracted to, but they're interested in what's going on in missile silos and, and oh yes, yeah, you know, nuclear plants and things like that. Um, is there anything like? Well, I'm sure there's there's um, hidden missile silos and bases and stuff like that around that in desert region, isn't there? And inside mountains and all that sort yeah. of stuff. So maybe that accounts for some of it as well. I mean, there's going to be a lot of air, air traffic, military air traffic around there anyway, isn't there? Because it's sort of in the middle of nowhere, right? So best place to hide. Yeah, there's um, there's Area 52 as well up in Utah. There's there's a bunch of different bases around there, and uh, yeah. Uh, you know, just over over the line in California in the desert, there's another base too. They're, they're all over the place. I I knew a um, uh, a drone pilot too that would fly sorties overseas. Yep. Through that area, you mean? Oh right, um, from from Nellis all the way to overseas. Oh geez. I mean, I don't oh, think. Oh, you mean military drones? Yeah, mil- oh, military so drones. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. All the way to to Iraq and Afghanistan. You mean? Oh, uh, yeah. Because they control those suckers from sort of yeah, the remotely. US, don't they? Yeah, yeah, remotely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's kind it's of- pretty lethal. Eh? You sort of sit down like you're playing World of Warcraft and then you end up sort of blowing some guy and his mates away. Yeah. So if you're really good at video games, hey, there's maybe a job possibility <laughs> a for you. But, army, but now right? AI is taking over now. Exactly. Well, unmanned UAVs are the thing now, right? So uh, I think we're going to start losing um, manned jets. Yeah. 
because they're just getting same with space uh, exploration. And it's so expensive yeah. as well. And you've got to train the pilots. Right. Is the other thing. And you've got to keep updating the hardware and stuff. So you can see why drones are more popular. You know, you're, it's it's remote. As, you, as you've seen, you can be in another country and you're ruining someone's party sort of in, uh, in the mountains of Afghanistan somewhere. Yeah. Um, it's pretty pretty scary where we're going with the, these glider nukes that they're coming yep. out with yep. that travel much faster than the traditional ballistic. Uh, just to let you know, I did come across a man when I was in the UK that was a former engineer on the Filingdale RAF anti-ballistic missile base, mm-hmm. and he had worked on these. They look like uh, they've changed them now, but the, the Cold War era, they look like three giant golf balls. Basically, he told me the technology is this thing is so advanced that it would pick up a kitchen door off over the skies of Moscow and identify. So Jeez. so the, this system, these radar systems, they, they know what some of these um, UFOs in the skies. Yeah. Um, it's just really who's getting that information. But now you see with the – there's so many more commercial operations, space operations, starting obviously with Elon Musk and Starlink and Richard Branson's trying to get into space, that someone independent from the military is going to see some stuff soon and get – genuine footage that can be verified and say, we've got nothing to hide, we've got no reason to disclose anything, unless sort of our MIB friends get to them first. Um, but, you know, it's going to come out. I think Elon Musk is probably a prime candidate for someone who could who would sort of um, be the big revealer, so to speak, you know, big showman, P.T. Barnum sort of uh, type reveal, you know, we, we've we caught a picture of a UFO, footage of a UFO, we've met the occupants, you know, it's all good from now on. Well, Harry, Harry Reid, former Senator Harry Reid, um, actually spearheaded an effort to get um, make it more possible for uh, military, especially the pilots, to be able to report back on any very unusual technology, super advanced technology. They are very concerned with this because, you know, the Chinese are working on it, the Russians are working on it. They want to know what these craft are that, that, that run rings around yeah, uh, our normal fighters. Well, as you would, you'd be terrified, really. Yeah, I mean, and well, you talked about you know uh, the missile bases, yep. you know, activating and deactivating um, these these missiles. Because mm, there's there's that story of um, about three, I think it's between three and five uh, UFOs were seen over a missile base in I think it's 1985, 86, and they they basically went to Defcon. What's the what's the highest one, or is it three? I think. Either one, the highest yeah, DEFCON, yeah. they went yeah. to that basically because it was, you know, it was in the middle of the Cold War as well. Um, and they were like, what the hell are these things? They just, and they just didn't know. And they hung around for about three hours and then took off. Well, you can understand why the aliens would be very careful because all the militaries are after that technology. That's right. So, that's the thing. But I think yeah. they probably use it as some sort of power source or they would investigate. I mean, that could be how they're, um, you know, that's the propulsion system. That's what they need. I mean, we've talked about. Bob Lazar and Element 115 and all that. I mean, he's probably right. I don't have no reason to doubt the guy, but there's something in nuclear power that, or, you know, sort of maybe it's the quantum physics aspect of it, you know, the the atoms, and maybe that's what interests them. I don't know. But I think it's kind of an energy source for them. It must be. Yeah, zero-point energy. Or they just want to know our capabilities, you know, militarily. So that could be the other thing. Maybe it's just kind of a risk assessment they're doing. They're scouts that have been sent to, you know, Oh, I wouldn't blame spy. them. I wouldn't blame them for watching. They probably shouldn't be so overt, though, just to arouse a bit of suspicion, as you can. Do you yeah. think? 
Well, I guess horrible things happen if they get caught. I mean, if that Roswell event did actually happen, mm. um, bad things happen, you know. Yeah. Can you imagine being an alien and what would happen if you were caught? You'd get dissected like a frog in a science class, wouldn't you? Yeah, be locked up, you know, never be seen, your freedom is gone. That's true. That would be terrifying. <laughs> it, would human. Be. <laughs> it would be, yeah. It would, you Especially know, like in North Korea too. <laughs> Yeah, geez, if, if you're an alien, you wouldn't want to get sort of stranded somewhere like that, would you, in an oppressive regime, would you? Yeah, even for humans. But they might yeah. try and, you know, convert you and use your superior technology to crush America or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I was working on a, uh, my own space project uh, around 2014. I was trying to break a world record for altitude. Um, I had invented a prototype craft that was going to blast into the atmosphere using the huge amount of gas that builds up as you ascend into the atmosphere. So uh, it's really interesting once you start looking into space and the possibilities, but mine wouldn't put any um, pollutants into the atmosphere, my design. And I had to get my radio. What was it fueled by? Um, It was a combination of solar rocket and using thrust from the, the enormous amount of gas that builds up. It's kind of like as you ascend higher towards space, any any volume of gas expands. So about every about every mile, that gas that starts off from sea level expands by about twenty percent. So so that's why the balloons um, they they um, explode. So I was going to use a bunch of like thirty foot balloons interconnected, using that that gas as thrust to blast them. To, so it float float up to about. 40,000 metres or about 110,000 feet and blast off. And, and then at that point, a rocket is super efficient because now you don't have the friction of the atmosphere. So I was quite involved. I, I But what happened to the rocket? I, I couldn't, it, I, couldn't I couldn't raise oh. enough money to do it. <laughs> uh, even like simple projects can be pretty expensive. Yeah, I imagine so. Um, where were you doing the test, or where were you going to do it out in the desert? Yeah, I was. I was going to go. To, I was looking at Black Rock, Nevada. Right, that's where they're Burning Man, and they've had world yep. speed records up there. Yep. That was one of Is my locations. Kind of the salt flats and stuff. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. You, you can see all that yeah. classic footage from the '60s and stuff of. Oh, it's fascinating. Dude's going hell for leather on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. The um, world's fastest Indian and that sort of thing. Oh yeah, I remember that movie. Yeah, I think yeah. he was. Um, yeah, invented the Indian motorcycle, something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, played by Anthony Hopkins. Correct, correct. Um, well, that's been very interesting, Mark. We're uh, coming to the end of another Occam's Razor. I think it's episode 37, live on East FM, 88.1, 107.1. What's next for you, Mark, just riding out the COVID storm? Yeah, that and also uh, filming aerials, um, working yep. on getting uh, more interviews, yep. witnesses of um, encounters. Yep. Um, and I took a photo of you earlier. You've got a flyer that you're handing around the local community down in Coromandel. Have you asking them if they've seen the Moyhell Man? Is yeah, right? basically I'm going to put them on to community notice boards and yep. hope that people will, will come out, Yeah, people that wouldn't normally talk, or I'll get to those people that, that you know, I can't get to otherwise. And you're just going to put them up sort of around Coromandel Township? Yeah, or, that's what okay. I plan to do. Maybe take them to the chip shop or... Yeah, be here. Yeah. Well, it's, but it's a good yeah. place. It's where most people come. Oh, in. yeah, yeah. yeah. Pe- where people hang around, yeah. definitely, that'll, that'll be ideal. Is there a local radio station you can do it? 
Coromandel Gold or something you could make um, on there. Yeah, I haven't gone that far yet, no. Yeah. People love that sort of stuff, you know, if you get phone-ins and stuff like that, that'd be awesome, you know, get the get a bit of buzz going. Um, but you have to keep it a secret, right? Um, yeah, kind of. I, I'm very careful about people that come forward to me because, as I say, there is a radical factor. Yep. There are very few people want their face out there. Yep. Um, it wouldn't bother me in the slightest, honestly. Yeah. If if I said, oh, you know, I've seen the Moyhow man, I or I'll let you know where the Moyhow man is or whatever, I'd, I'd be front and center. But that's just me. Some people are a lot more right. drawn, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, people, if it affects their social interactions and yeah. or their job or you know, that would be very difficult. Yeah. And they just don't want the piss taken down them, I suppose. Yeah. We're, well, we're in a new world. That's um, with right. All the, the new ufology. normal. The new normal. Keep us updated, Mark. I will do. Yeah. All right. And don't be a stranger. Come back and uh, see us again. Hauntedman.net is the website for Mark. And give us a visit at occamdraiserparanormal.com.